Our scripture today is taken from Matthew chapter 28. Matthew is the gospel that tells us things from the Jewish perspective. As he writes, you can tell that he's making a case for Jesus among the Jews, showing them that this is the Messiah they've been waiting for. We see that because today's passage takes place on a mountain. Um, Just like uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments on a mountain, and throughout scripture in in the gospel of Matthew, we see important events happening on a mountain, Um, Jesus gives this command, this commission to his disciples on the mountain. Something else to note is that Jesus tells his 11 disciples to go out into the world and make disciples. No longer are the disciples just the inner circle, just the 12 that Jesus is teaching and guiding, but now we are all to be disciples. And what makes us disciples is the context of faith and development and leadership in community. So that we don't do it individually, but we do it together. I invite you to turn in your bulletins that we might sing together as we prepare to hear the word of God. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Every once in a while, I have an experience with scripture that wows me. Perhaps it's happened to you before. You think you know a verse by heart. You've heard it so many times. You've even quoted it. It's a common one, one that a lot of people know, maybe like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believed in him will not perish but have eternal life. John 3, 16, it's everywhere. Or love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. Or maybe today's scripture, go therefore and make disciples of all the, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That last one, today's scripture, is called the Great Commission. Sometimes we find a piece of scripture that we really like. It speaks to us. Sometimes it's just a sentence that jumps out as we're reading the Bible. Sometimes we see the words quoted on something. We see it on a poster or a piece of jewelry or on Pinterest. So we pin it or we memorize it or we write it in our journals or put it on our mirror and we look it up in the Bible and underline it. 
Sometimes we even pick a sentence out of scripture and we use it to justify a point. We cling to that one phrase and quote it and call upon it when we need it. In all of those cases, we tend to pluck out one line we like, leaving the other words behind. Up until recently, that's what I've been doing with today's scripture lesson. See, I was just saying, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's not like I didn't like the other words of the scripture. I think it's just that I glossed over them. I, maybe they had been quoted to me so many times that I committed them to memory. But as we hear the words, or as we heard the words that Beth just read, the words I have memorized are not the whole of the Great Commission. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth have been, have been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I guess I'd forgotten that whole passage. So when I began to study and prepare for today's sermon, the Holy Spirit wowed me because it was like I read this scripture again for the first time. The impact of the words got a whole lot bigger, and their implication is that there is a whole lot more for us to do. Matthew 28:16 to 20 clearly states that the response to resurrection is discipleship and the plan is to go baptize, teach and remember. Part of why I was wowed with this passage is because it was another reminder of how well Jesus knows us and our human condition. It begins by saying that when the 11 disciples saw the risen Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. It's interesting to me that Matthew points out that some doubted. What I love about it is that they doubted, but they worshipped anyway. As if they were going to fake it until they make it. Even in the midst of doubt, they worship God, demonstrating that while in their humanness they were struggling, in their hearts they were loving. And what I appreciate even more is that Jesus didn't call them out for their doubt. Instead, he said... I have all the authority in the world, and now I'm giving it to you. So go. Talk about a pick-me-up. When I'm doubting myself, it always helps to know that someone else believes in me. But even more has entrusted me with responsibility and authority. Jesus is saying, you doubt, but I love you anyway. And not only do I love you anyway, but I trust you and I am counting on you. So go ahead and doubt. But make disciples while you're doubting. Is it possible that Jesus knew that while they did this work, their faith would be strengthened and their doubts be weakened? It's clear that Jesus knows doubt will plague disciples, but he won't let it get in his way. Jesus commands the doubting disciples to go into the world and make more disciples and baptize them. We know what that means, right? It means that we have the responsibility to share our faith, to help others know Jesus, and to bring them into close relationship with him in the context of community. I think it's possible that we Methodists don't always know what to do with these words, because we most commonly baptize infants or young children. 
We might even shy away from this passage because we have the notion that faith is personal and we don't want to bother anyone. But when we do that, we are in fact hiding our faith as though the resurrection of Jesus only happened for me, to boost me, to help my belief. Bishop Will Willimon writes, We are commissioned to go and tell. Evangelism is driven by the engine of God's salvation that demands to be announced to all. When God's great yes degenerates into a constrained perhaps, there is little urgency to tell the world. What we have to say to the world is deflated into a message about just another technique alongside all the others that the world is busy pursuing already. When we see the risen Lord, and I believe we see him all around us, bringing good out of bad, bringing people together, offering hope in the midst of fear, then how can we be quiet? Pumpkin Oreos are blowing up my Facebook feed. Everybody loves them. The cookies don't have pumpkin in them, but have pumpkin flavoring. They are sweet, maybe even a little too sweet, but they are perfect with coffee. They taste like autumn in your mouth, and they make you want to put on a flannel and walk around in an apple orchard. I have never tried pumpkin Oreos, but I've read so many posts from people I know talking about how delicious they are that I am going to go out and buy some, and I don't even like pumpkin. But people seem to love them, so I'm curious, and I'm going to try them. And I bet some of you now are curious enough, too, to go out and try them. Now, no one ever asked me if I like pumpkin Oreos before they told me about them. They didn't worry about offending me. They just shared about them because they love them. They were so good that they wanted to share. And I wasn't at all offended. In fact, their sincerity about the cookie's goodness made me want to try it for myself. That's really all it takes. Sincerity. Sincerity and authenticity in your own faith will lead others to Christ. They'll be moved to try because of how he has affected your life. You don't have to post it all over Facebook or walk around shouting, Be a disciple! Model your faith. Live your faith. Talk about it. Others will be intrigued and they will follow. The next part of today's passage tells us that after we baptize, we are to teach them. I don't know why I was leaving this part out when I quoted today's scripture. Because that's very much what the baptismal promises we make each time we baptize someone are all about. Jesus' words are pretty strong. Baptizing and teaching them, he says. We have the unequivocal job of teaching those we baptize. Too often, we just go through the motions of baptism. We comment on how sweet the baby is. We laugh at the baby as he or she displays their own independence. We recite our vows, and then we move on to the next act of worship. Every time we baptize someone, we are making a covenant, a promise between me and God and the community. We are stating that we, on behalf of the whole church, will pray for this child and help them to know Jesus. We promise to teach them. It grows right there with the Great Commission. 
Today we blessed and commissioned and gave thanks for Sunday school teachers and youth workers and Bible study leaders and teachers in our community. And I am so thankful for them and their response to God's call. Many of the Sunday school teachers, I am sure, wonder at times if they have enough knowledge to teach their classes. And yet they teach anyway. The youth, youth workers, I am sure, have wondered whether or not they would connect with the kids, and yet they show up every Sunday. The Bible study leaders, I know, work hard to prepare for their lessons and wrestle with questions, I'm sure, and every week they share their learnings and help others grow in faith. And teachers here in Clarkston, from time to time, I'm sure must wonder if it's all worth it, and yet keep coming to work even with only a temporary contract. While doubt may plague them, they all have answered a call. Each one of us, whether or not we do so in an official capacity, has the call to teach. We might not all do it in the same way, but it is our commandment. Mr. Garrett was fun. There's no better way to describe him. Every summer, he invited our church youth group out to his cottage, and he took us all skiing and tubing. He could even get the most timid kid to give it a try. I can teach anyone to ski, he'd say. I know you can do it. He took off work to chaperone the youth trip to Cedar Point every summer. He was there when I was 11. He was there when I was 18, and he was there when I went back as a chaperone at 23. A timid sixth grade girl, he convinced me to ride roller coasters. He rode with me, and after my first ride, he said, See, I knew you would love it. Way to take a chance and try something new. Okay, now let's go back, do it again, and this time we're going to ride in the front seat. (laughs) And I did. And I loved it. We all wanted to take turns sitting with Mr. Garrett. We all wanted to be with him. Not, And it wasn't like we were stuck with him because he was the adult. But because we wanted to be with him because he cheered us on. He made us feel special. Mr. Garrett worked at Hudson's in the Westland Mall. He sold carpet. And whenever my friends and I went to hang out at the mall, we'd go and look for Mr. Garrett, and he always made time for us. I saw him every Sunday at church, and he made a point to know all the names of the youth and greet us. He was rarely one to preach, but he always lived his faith, demonstrating incredible kindness and generosity of self. He taught me to believe that I am a child of God who is loved and valued and important. Why did he do it? I believe it was because he knew Jesus loved him, and he wanted to make sure that we felt Jesus' love by showing us that we were valued and worth his time. He fulfilled the vows he made to us at our baptism, the vows he made at my baptism. It isn't hard to be a Mr. Garrett. It just takes intentionality. Teaching by action and love leaves an immeasurable impact. The last part of today's scripture calls us to remember that Jesus is with us always and forever. That's a promise that we hope and trust that each one we baptize learns. We hope that they will trust God and know that they are never alone and that Jesus loves them and will always be with them. And it's the blessed assurance that I hope each one of us has the knowledge that no matter what, we are loved by God, that Jesus will always be with us. We most commonly feel that in the context of community through the love of another. 
I've talked a lot this morning about how we teach young people, but it's not just about them. We all must continue to grow in faith. Our growth and discipleship doesn't end once we graduate high school, and our responsibility to help others know Christ doesn't end with their graduation either. Discipleship is a never-ending journey. It's why we have classes and studies and small groups so as to enter into deeper relationship with God and with our community. It's why we need each other. After weeks like this, with the news that we've been getting and the fear that's incited because of it, we need to be together, to pray together, to hold each other up and to hear the voice of God within each other. In so doing, we are strengthened in our weakness, given faith when we doubt and feel compelled to share God's love. We grow deeper in our relationship with the one who promises to always be with us. After God's great acts of salvation through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he gave the disciples a commission. It was to be their response to the love of God in Christ Jesus. It was to be how they themselves grow in discipleship as they share the good news with others, helping them to know Christ. It was a commandment that came with authority, and it is passed on to us today. How are you compelled to respond to God's love in your life? How do you share that love and promise that Christ is with us, with others? It is our mandate that we help others to know and love Christ. And it's the vows we make to each one we baptize. So will you?